Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Voltron Legendary Defender, which we'll be getting into right now. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Delaney Stowall. Hey, y'all. Jeff Anderson. Hey, hey. And Haley Neighbors. Hello. Uh, today we are continuing our Voltron Legendary Defender Season 5 uh, coverage, uh, this time getting into Episodes 3 and 4, Postmortem and Crawl Zera. Uh, we're Voltron came out this weekend on Netflix season five, and we're making our way through the episodes two at a time. This is our second out of three podcasts on it. Find all of that at overlyanimated.com or search for overly animated Voltron on iTunes. Subscribe there or on YouTube to not miss any of our future Voltron podcasts. Uh, we'll be getting to the last two tomorrow. Uh, if you are watching this day of or listening to this day of, but, uh, spoilers for postmortem and Kralzera, but we are not getting into spoilers for episodes five and six. We have not seen past this. Um, so, uh, you can watch along with us, uh, spoilers for episodes one to four of season five, but not past Delaney. What did you think of postmortem and Kralzera? Um, I liked postmortem, uh, like visually, it was a re- really visually interesting episode. It's the return of like the weird animation style that harkens back to like old Voltron, which was cool. Uh, I like Alcarion. Like I love the Alcara, like they're cool. Like. They're neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, the first like time we see like their dad cleaned up, I'm like, yeah, what? Who is this? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I have no idea who you are. I was like, it's ridiculous. And then, then the next time I was like, oh, it's him. I was like, who's this random dude? But um, overall, I wasn't like super impressed with the episode. Obviously, the mo- most like incredible part of the episode is like where you're like Shiro's a clone obviously <laughs> but yes. like, Shiro's not real like whatever he is because that was weird and they're all yelling Shiro and it's like and then we saw real Shiro for a little bit because he the, the Shiro who's with us is not real obviously but and then I like Carl Zara one because of the name I was like before we even got to this episode this whole time I was just like okay we're gonna have like an acne Kai we're gonna have some like weird like word thing that's going to be like very culturally important to them so i like the crawl zero it was interesting that it was like about like lighting the lighting it um and then like so i thought they were all just gonna fight and then they did but like they didn't do it the way i thought they were going to and then kind of the whole time was like what if keith becomes the king and then he didn't but it's okay i also had that thought yeah Okay, no the whole time i was like this is what's happening and then uh i was still kind of confused that like the blade was there because I was like, what? But I I enjoyed it. I liked it. Like I think I like Carl Zera better than I liked uh, postmortem. Interesting. Postmortem. Okay. I like postmortem because the name because like geez. Yeah, very very blunt. Um, also, LOL Sendak. <laughs> we'll get into a lot a lot of discuss with Sendak. Yeah. Uh, okay, Jeff. What did you think of these two episodes? Um. Well, I have to eat my words from last time about uh, Zarkon dying. Hopefully, he is dead. I don't think they did that very well. Yeah, but it is what it is. Pre- presumably, uh, they could they could pull something, right? He could still be alive later. Maybe zombie. If they had just given him like a like a, a fifteen second like slow death scene, like I always hated you, you know, or something, yeah. just like closure instead of just oh we get you know, a half second of death and that's it. Oh well. Um, as far as these episodes go, I couldn't care less about what's going on in the plant planets. Um, oh, like as far as the villain, uh, it's generic baddie of the week sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But everything in that episode that ties in to the overarching plot was fantastic. And then Crawl's Era was probably my favorite episode of the entire show. 
Of the whole show? The whole show. Wow, why? So far, so far. Just because it's so it has like everything. It has like it ties in so well. Um some beautiful shots, just poignant moments. Um and uh yeah, I guess we'll get more into it, but yeah. Okay. Three thumbs up. Haley, what did you think of these two episodes? I am very happy with these two episodes and where this whole season is going because this is like so what I wanted the show to get to because they were both very like interesting and plot relevant and they actually pushed the plot forward. Like finally Zarkon is gone. I agree with you, Jeff, though. I think there should have been something with Zarkon after he died or whatever. Like he just kind of we didn't even get a shot of him really before he died. We just got that half shot. Um, but I'm very happy that he is now gone and we can actually get to some interesting storylines. Um, and I love that Shiro is totally not Shiro. He's some sort of clone or something. Um, it's so gratifying that that is actually happening because I think it's an interesting, uh, plot point. Um, yeah. And it was, I was so happy with these two episodes because they were actually doing something, which was very exciting and a lot of plot movement. So. And also, the Hagar and the generals are teaming up, which is exactly what I wanted to happen. <laughs> yes, you called that. I, that I, happened know, to, I know. I was like, yes, when I saw like, that yeah. happening. Yeah. <laughs> I fist pumped into the air. Somebody. Yeah, that was like maybe the only time I've ever been visibly emotional while watching Voltron, honestly. Right? Like them, them teaming up. That was the most hyped thing. Yeah. It was so great. I'm so happy that happened. Um, so, yeah, they're actually doing things that we want to happen and are really exciting. So, yeah. it's making me excited to see where this season ends ones yeah definitely uh very yeah i'm also very happy with these two episodes uh a little uh, definitely was down after episode one and then two was like exciting but um you know i wasn't uh i wasn't sold on the season and these two this is like the highest gear this series has ever been turned to i think these two episodes mm-hmm. and i assume it will continue with the the last two of the quote-unquote season but um just post-mortem uh, there's so much happening in this episode. There's like five plots at once going on, and it is very coherent. Like I was following, I thought they were all used to great effect. I think each plot line was was interesting. I was just, I'm just very impressed with postmortem, the writing, just the episode. Uh, I'm I'm very high on that one. That's probably my favorite of the season. Like there's so I I actually I I understand not caring what happened on Alcarion because it was less important than everything else. But I also really that is my favorite planet. I think on the show. Um, greening the cube, one of our favorite episodes, and uh, excited to see the return of that and what they're doing with that, with like the hacking into the the plant and like the tech virus. You know, I know I thought that was all interesting conceptually, and it was explored to a, enough of an extent. Um, just very happy with that episode, and the Hagar stuff is is super interesting. Yeah, it's it's a big highlight. The Shiro stuff super interesting. Um, Kralzera, I think it's another good episode. I have similar problems that I do to episode two, which is that like the giant climactic fight sequence I don't think is the most coherent like there's just a million things happening I think it's supposed to be chaotic like I think it's just supposed to be like Gar and Silver Civil War and we're not necessarily supposed to follow I also think Kralzera asks you to track too much information at once they introduce like five new characters and they're important and we're supposed to follow their movements throughout the episode um and uh it, it's a little it's a little bit hard to follow but the ending shot of Lotor lighting the flame while Voltron stands behind him is incredible like what? What a what a huge moment for the series. And we just ended the Olympics, so <laughs> <laughs> lighting the torch. Yeah, that, that, no, it was intense. That was like intense. 
it, it's such a it's such a huge moment like wow what an incredible shift what a voltron standing behind the new galran leader uh, that's, that's, inc- that's crazy. Like, wow. The, so much happened these two episodes, so much more than ever happened on any of this. Like, I think more happened in these two episodes than happened in the entirety of seasons one to two, like yeah. combined, like this, it's so like great. When we heard that Lotar was going to become, or, or at least possibly teaming up with them. I was like, okay, by the end of this season, maybe something will be happening there. I wasn't expecting him to be like crowned as the emperor with Voltron behind him. Yeah, That's they just insane. they just kicked it in the high gear right away. It was it's yeah. it's, it's it's finally we're moving, um, and uh, it's it's been really great. Like I don't think this is like us completely becoming a better show and solving all of our problems with it. But like I feel like this is the best version of Voltron. These two episodes, mm-hmm. like what the show is, you know, and uh, we still had some great character stuff in there. I think spe- especially in postmortem. Um, but yeah, the headline here, um, Lotor is our new uh, leader of the Garan Empire, and uh, he, he stands with Voltron. Like, this is... The Garan are good now? Is this what's happening, Delaney? I don't know. Maybe... Like, I like Lotor, and I trust him. You trust kind Lotor? Of. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a big uh, topic of debate. <laughs> like, I trust him in that, like... But it's kind of like what they were talking about in the... Whatever the name of the... Oh, Blood Duel... Yeah. When they were like, well, what about the paladins? And he was like, well, whatever. <laughs> like, like yeah, the paladins can die, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of interested to see what happens, especially because like he obviously doesn't know Hagar's his mom, which I'm still really confused about. So I'm curious how that's going to kind of shift things because like, I don't know. I don't think Hagar wants her son dead, but I also don't really. I know what she wants right now. Like, I'm really just interested in Hagar right now and, like, what she's going through. Anerva, however, I don't know what we're going to call her. But, uh, Hagnerva. Uh, well, she, she, she refers to herself as Anerva as, like, a separate entity. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that was weird. But, um, so I'm kind of more interested, I don't know, like, how she's playing into all of this. Because things are, things just got weird real fast. Yeah. But, I don't know, like, I trust him. I'm just not sure, like, what's next, I guess. Like, obviously, like, we're still... We still have the coalition, but like, what's the goal? Like, what's he? What's his next move? Is he going to liberate the empire? Like, mm-hmm. what's the dealio? What's so, the and dealio? also, how many generals are we gonna have to like fight off? Yeah, uh, <laughs> because only one of them, I think, definitively dies in this episode. I feel like the others are still there. Maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, let me present to you my take on what happens, what the state of the world is at the end of this episode. And Jeff, you tell me if you agree. Um, I think Lotor is in charge of the Garan Empire and he stands with the Paladins. So the Voltra, so now Voltron, the Coalition and Gaura are united, uh, allies. Then maybe united at the very least allies. Meanwhile, Hagar takes Sendak and, uh, retreats. And she is the new force of evil in the show. She is the rebellion against the uh, united uh, Galrin uh, paladin front. She doesn't support Lotor as the leader, and she's uh, maybe the face of the old regime in exile. She starts up the uh, anti, anti-Lotor-Galrin uh, side. So I feel like this episode sets up Hagar as our big bad. Uh, what do you think, Jeff? Um, it's really unclear. So they have this the big... Um thing in the sky like basically the, the Galran empire tore itself apart in this episode mm-hmm. um and the fact that they admit like hagar admits like the, the empire has fallen so and it is a very one of my favorite moments of this entire episode is when i think it's a, yours as well when uh 
when, when Lotor is crowned and you see like just the, the sky's burning above him and hardly anyone's around to actually see him be crowned. Yeah. So I think while he's technically king or emperor, I don't think it's going to like, he still needs to make it real and he's going to have hardly anyone uh, loyal to him. I think it's going to be a huge fracture deal. Now with Hagar, I don't know what her motivation is because I believe she is the one that kept that, that is turning Shiro's dial. Like she's the one that said, you know, activate the, the Kolar um, yes. factor four, whatever. And, you know, she's obviously like looking through his eyes, um, Shiro's eyes. I think what, she, and what, uh, what she's doing is just making Shiro more like amenable and eager to serve a Garin figure. Um, Maybe that's, maybe that's off, but I think it was her direct involvement that got him to give her, it got Shiro to give Lotor his Bayard last episode. Um, and it's her involvement that got Shiro to take Lotor to Kralzera in this episode. So what is she doing? What, why did she do that? And I, I don't, I don't really know if there's enough to support her being totally anti Lotor, even though she was ostensibly against him being emperor here. I just don't know. Right. At the very least, she is the, uh, she's presenting herself as against Lotor and the yes, current state of the Garen. Yeah. I, I don't, I think you're taking a leap beyond what the show, um, is presenting us with Hagar and Shiro. Not that you're necessarily wrong, but like, I think in, uh, in the first of these two episodes, uh, we see that Hagar is spying on the paladins, presumably through Shiro's eyes. Um, it is a little bit of a leap to say that she's controlling his behavior. I think probably he, she is to a certain extent. Um, but we've definitely seen that Hagar uh, doesn't want uh, Lotor to die or to be captured by Zarkon. And probably she acted against Zarkon and in, in favor of Lotor. And yet she's presenting herself as being against Lotor heading up the Empire. I Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of a contrast here between her motivations to anyone else that she's to her public face that she's presenting, which is like this um, fully pro Zarkon evil, evil witch, evil Gar and evil witch. And yet she's, she's regained some of her memories. She cares about Lotor because um, she knows uh, he's, he's her son. And uh, maybe she's not really acting like this. I don't know. Haley. Doesn't know. That's kind of what I was thinking was yeah. that it's like this, like because one Lotor doesn't know. And Pro- so I think, probably Lotor doesn't know, yeah. And I think that's part of it is like she needs to kind of like she has to manipulate all these things so she can get where she needs to be, so she can like kind of have him back. Yeah, D- Delaney, you think that's her ultimate goal is to, um, I guess, have Lotor by her side? I think so. I mean, because like you know when she, she was like when they were like oh she was like where's Zarkon and he's like oh she's he's gone to get Lotor and he's she's like oh no and then she activates the whatever. And so, like, I think definitely, like, she's, like, she's acting in, like, she's trying to protect Lotor, do whatever. And, like, it honestly kind of seemed kind of, like, half-hearted when she was, like, you can't be king, you're, like, all tan. So, like, I feel like she's kind of, like, she's going through the motions. Granted, I think Sindak will probably end up being a bigger deal than she may have, like realize unless she's using him to like a greater like to a more like there's a like more of a point to what he's doing like to what like to her purpose with Sindak because like I think they're like I think like Sindak very well could kill Lotor or like he's I think he's gonna be kind of like kind of like a combustion man from 
um, avatar kind of character. <laughs> like he's just going to like kind of come around and like mess stuff up all the time. So I think she has like, I think her goal is to keep Lotor alive and like, I think just have him with her, but I'm not really sure like necessarily in, in goal. Yeah. I, I think what's clear is that Hagar wants to protect Lotor or at least did earlier in the season. Um, beyond that, I feel like it's, it's up in the air. Uh, Haley, we'll do you, uh, yeah, Jeff. Um, if, um, um, if Zendak turns into a sort of savage oppressed character, like he was, he was made by these baddies, but then he, if he goes his own way and makes his own path, that'd be interesting. Right. Yeah. Let's table Sendak for a second. Um, but yeah, definitely going to talk about him and, uh, ask whether we remembered him from the show. <laughs> uh, Haley, what's your read on Hagar's motivations, uh, after these two episodes? I don't know. I, I love her, but I have no idea what she wants to gain out of this. Cause she, it seems like to me that she does care about him because everything we've seen where she's alone and doesn't have to put up like any airs or anything. She's seems emotionally invested in him and his well being. But I'm I'm thinking that when um, in the second episode, when she says like, oh, your your mother was a Nerva and he's like, oh, I don't care. I think that was her confirming that he doesn't know. Maybe I don't know. That might have been something. I don't know why she would bring that up. Otherwise, if she wants him to be the the emperor, like maybe she was expecting Sendak to die or something. But and just fulfilling this role that everyone assumed she was going to of being the opposition. But I don't know what she wants in the end with all this, because you would think that she'd want her son to be the ruler. But maybe she's got other plans for him that involve him not being the ruler. Right. That line that Hagar says is uh, potentially potentially key here. She says, uh, yeah, your mother was a Nerva. You're not uh, fully Garin. And Lothar Mm -hmm. says, regardless of my bloodline, I don't, I'm still taking this basically. Yeah. He's like, everyone knows that already and everything. So maybe that was, maybe that was her or maybe that was the writers reconfirming to the viewers that, oh, he doesn't know and no one knows. Yeah. Based on that line, it would, the implication is that, um, Everyone, it's public knowledge that Lotor is born from Onerva, but no one knows that Onerva is Hagar. Is Hagar, yeah. Now, that being said, Lotor frequently hides information from people. So he could be, he, he could actually know this. I was just saying, they're very similar in that they're hiding their yeah, lies. Very, yeah. Uh, Delaney? Well, I was just thinking that, like, I think what happened was, like, obviously Hagar was kind of like, well, Anerva was kind of, like, transforming. So I think kind of what happened was, like, can you save the child? And then she kind of, like, quote-unquote died. But, like, she became, like, whatever she is. Yeah. And people are like, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Just, like, I, my theory that, like, she died and then is, like, whatever she is. Right. To a, to a certain extent, it, uh, him and her and Zarkon are both... Um, just not completely separate people. But now um, Hagar has regained memories of her being right. um, Nerva, even if she doesn't necessarily like have that same mindset. I think it's kind of unclear whether the memories came with a change in a change in her view of the world or like more empathy right. or stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're definitely unclear on that. Yeah. But uh, she sends for, so she teams up in the first episode with uh, the three remaining Lotor lieutenants slash generals and uh, great move. Uh, to assemble all female ruling team. Good, the, get the viewers on your side, Hagar. <laughs> this is a good. That move. whole scene was great when they're just like in the prison cell and they're like, "Oh, the next person to come in is going to kill us." Yeah. Like, okay, here we go. 
It's oh. Hagar. Yeah, that lo- that was that's so wonderful. Yeah, and then uh, she she's like, uh, "Go get someone." Uh, and I was like, "Okay, they're getting Lotor, right?" right? <laughs> no, yeah. it's it's Sendak from yeah, season one. Lotor. Yeah, Sendak like, with a new arm. Like that arm's new, right? He did. Yeah, he didn't said, he get it blown off or something? I don't know, but uh, he's he's got Robo arm. He's the mouse guy. Uh, <laughs> Delaney, <laughs> did you remember that that was Sendak? Nope. Jeff, did you do you remember Sendak? Barely. I remember there was some like one eyed dude. But what? Yeah, yeah. You see, what? What's with his one eye? That's because he had a robo eye too. He's had that forever. Oh, so he had that before? Yeah, Haley. Yeah. Okay, Haley, you remember Sendak? I remembered him after they said his name, and I was like, okay. "Oh yeah, that guy." But like, I I have no idea what happened to him. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't really know. What's I'm gonna going br- on. I'm gonna brag and say before the show said Sendak's name, I remembered his name. Oh, good job. <laughs> Nothing. I don't remember what he did on the show, but I don't believe you. <laughs> no, I, me neither. I wouldn't believe me either, but I did. I remember. Like you notoriously no. forget everything, Dylan. Yeah, I was, the <laughs> thing exactly. Is, That's why I'm like, there's no way you know that. The reason I had to, I, I had to remember because I'm writing the outline as I'm going, and I'm like, who do I? Who's this character? What do I write? So I had to remember it. It was like, yeah. Then they said it in the next episode. What a weird move bringing back. We talked about this last week in that um, there's no one to contend for the throne that we know about because they don't have any characters. So what they did is they made up three new characters and they brought back a character that was like in the show three seasons ago. So that's that's what they did. Um, but yes. Yeah, so Okay. In season one, he had a glowy arm, not the other arm. Okay. Well, who knows? Um, I I think I remember thinking Sendak was interesting at least. So uh, maybe this is the right character to bring back. Regardless, he's just not. He's not a. He's he's just a husk. It seems like he's he's battling them. He does talk for himself in the episode, but. Um, I, I, I guess I'm not in on the, him being just a, a third party combustion man type force because I think if Hagar is summoning him, she has to be controlling him. And there's, uh, there's precedent for Hagar taking someone and then putting them into a state where she can control them to a certain extent. That's Shiro, I feel like. I think that's exactly what he's doing with Shiro right now. Sendak came back with a new arm, like Shiro. And, uh, I feel like, uh, she's, I think she has some sort of uh, actual control over, over Sendak. Mm-hmm. Um. But it could be that, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think we've set up Sendek enough to have him be autonomous. But regardless, he's um, he's definitely with uh, Hagar and um, they're escaping together, I guess, to form their own third party with uh, the generals. Yeah. Um, yeah. She didn't seem too concerned about him, really. You know, I think she just sent him in, like you said, like as a puppet, essentially. Yeah, that is what Lotor seemed to be espousing throughout yeah. the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so the other state of the Civil War. So we had uh, Warlord uh, Ran- Ranvig, Ranveg, um, and he was the main, uh, he was the one who was fighting Lotor for a while. I don't think he died. I think he's still alive. I think only the guy who was the intellectual So one yeah, died. Quartermaster Janka definitely died, yeah. He's the, he's the supply route guy, he died. Um, and then there's Commander Nav, who um, was blasted by Sendak, but I don't believe is dead either. Commander Nav is the inner circle one, uh, lady. Um, oh, yeah. No, she's good. <laughs> she's good. <laughs> she's I so good. want her to come back. Yeah. Well, I think she's good. And, oh, she also, I remember last season, I think it was, we had this whole debate about whether there were female Galrins. Yes, the answer <laughs> is yes. we never saw them, but they were, like, at least two in this, so yeah. they exist. 
Yeah, so uh, yeah, the knob knob is there too, um, and, and they uh, don't really look any different. So now we're like, okay, <laughs> right? Uh, will Rang V again? Nav fall in line behind Lotor? I guess that's a question. Um, he he already forces Janka's uh, ships into his own. So they didn't like Hagar, so maybe or, uh, not not uh, not Janka, not uh, Lotor does that to Janka, but uh, Sendak does. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, they don't they don't like Hagar. Um, so presumably they'll follow Lotor. Uh, yeah, Delaney, what did you think of all these uh, opposing forces for the throne? I I didn't really care. I was just like, it's gonna be Lotor, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like fine. Like I like like Lotor talking and being like, oh, look at this stuff. That's cool. But other than that, I was like, eh. They had interesting character designs. I'm glad there was like a lady. Yeah, I feel like you'd support Commander Nav in this, <laughs> in in this. Uh thing whatever yeah she has my vote out of yeah. all of them I, I, I already pledged my uh, allegiance to lotor last podcast very so true I'm, I'm behind lotor you're here. a general now by default oh yeah do i yeah do i get to move up now that he's i, I backed the right horse i think uh, <laughs> i think i'm a high level galran yeah jeff what did you th- did you like the uh characterizations of these uh opposing um emperor forces that they brought in um I suppose. I mean, they, they did a good job at uh, giving a, a a temporary big baddie, but again, it's sort of like baddie of the week. Like, you know, he's going to go away um, because they brought him right in this episode. So he's going to go right out the next episode. Yeah. Um, I, feel like, I feel like the show handled as well as they could, given that we had no setup for any of them, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I could see, uh, yeah, I could definitely see, uh, Renvig and Nav being back to a certain extent. We'll see if they come in the next two episodes. The other big component of this episode, Crossera, was, uh, the Blade of Malmura and Keith, um, and, uh, Ilan, Ilian? They kept the, the closed caption kept having your name. I don't remember her being a person, but I guess she is. And, uh, they, it seems like they just lucked into <laughs> coming to the, the Kral, the Kralzera. Like they didn't know it existed. Right. So the Blade of Marmora just kind of lucks into ruining the whole uh, Garin Empire. That's well. They seem to like one. They they're like, yeah, no, it's like this is going to be the end. And Keith's like, what? So like, I think he he just didn't know. <laughs> just just Keith is is out of the loop. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But Blade of Marmora. Um, Jeff, yeah, I feel like you're a big fan of Blade of Marmora. How do you think they've been handled recently? Um, I think they. Too good effects, I think. Uh, it, it, it seems as though what that their modus operandi is just let's just be everywhere, causing those chaos as we can, and then catch a lucky break like they did here. Um, it was a bit sour that they had to give up destroying the entire power structure of the Gara because because um, Shiro had to just land right in the middle of it. That was really annoying. Yeah, so they were going to blow everything up. I think they lucked into they lucked into getting there. I, th- I also think they lucked into the optimal scenario of what they're blasted because um, Keith starts deactivating things, and because of that, the blast is smaller. I was it- so mad at him. Why? Because he didn't want to blow up his friend. Well, but, well he's not really Shiro. One, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the true. black line was going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, like Shiro just yeah. Well, I don't get that right. Isn't Shiro wasn't roaming around on his own. Yeah, but he's in th- the black line. I'm, like, but then- Keith couldn't know they're that. like, oh no, the lions. Yeah. I'm like, they're fine. They're literal magic lions. <laughs> yeah, they survived worse. For all Keith knows, Shiro's out there right now. But um, I, I think because the blast is contained, it only hits whoever it like hits one of them. I think it, the blast causes the generals to descend into chaos. Whereas blowing them all up, it wouldn't have like killed all of them or something. I feel like I feel like the blast 
is spur- along with Lotor's presence, along with Sendak coming, like spurred the civil war that was happening. Um, so like it destabilized the situation. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if that was their intent. I feel like they just wanted to kill everyone. I think it was that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. Blade of Mummer, I want to like them, but there's, I don't, there's no agency here. They just, they just uh, were like a chaotic force, which I guess is, is a decent, in terms of like an overall plan for attacking Gaara, I do, I do think that's a good idea. But, um, yeah, in this episode, I feel like that was their, their role in this. And, uh, what about this? Uh, after the blast happens, giant chaotic fight, you have ships fighting ships, stuff like that, and like, uh, Voltron, uh, or the lions in space fighting, and at least the black lion. What did you think of, uh, Jeff? What did you think of all of these battle sequences? There? I loved it so much. I loved it so much. Um, uh, the, well, okay, so visually, it wasn't anything like particularly special, which for this show, that's still super impressive, right? It just didn't super stand out as much. Um, as some other fight scenes, but just like, again, it's, it's like, like we've been saying, uh, this whole podcast, like so much is happening. Like this is the Gulrun civil war. What the heck? You know, it's so awesome. Yeah. It was, it was just shocking that like, there's this five plus minute battle sequence of all of these Gulrun forces fighting each other. It was like all out. It was battle royale. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was very impressive in scope. I feel like, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, Delaney, what did you think of that? And uh, just, I guess, how how much were you following all of the action here? It was really hard to follow for me. Like, I think, I granted, I was like watching this and Star versus the Forces of Evil at the don't, same don't, time, don't, and I was like, this is the wrong it. time for this. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I was like, by that I meant I was like pausing Netflix while Star was live on television. Um, it it just went really fast. I mean, obviously, it was like awesome. And like I think I mean it was just so like big. Um I don't think it's quite the like we've had like bigger like I don't know. I felt I would say like bigger like quote unquote space battles. But like it was really cool like you have everything on the ground and then like everything's like firing on each other. It's firing on the ground. Um I think I was just too fo- focused a little bit on the Black Lion which I would like to rewatch and like see how like how 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 much more I notice if I'm not just focusing on the black lion because I don't think I was ready for all the jumping around but like obviously it was awesome and like um I just really liked Lotor fighting I like watching him fight so yeah yeah Delaney what's been your take on Lotor this season do you still like him yeah no I love him he's cool yeah I was getting uh, really mad at them being like I don't know if we can trust him I'm like uh like I love my child <laughs> Pidge but Pidge was being really annoying and I kind of wanted to kick Pidge oh yeah but yeah I, I said we said this last podcast was Pidge's reaction was uh, very frustrating you agree I was like yeah and I was like Pidge stop it yeah yeah I, I basically said it's really disappointing Pidge's as like one no, one emotional response to anything and that it's the same one we did with her with I her brother I'm like come on Pidge yeah Anyway, we're past that at least. No, no more family. Don't, don't bring Thank her mom God. into this. No, like, keep her mom on earth. We don't need more, no, more pitch so, drama. Like, they were like, <laughs> they're dead. And I was like, are you serious? Yeah. Basically, that was our reaction. Yeah. Um, Haley, how much were you following the huge fight be- sequence in Kral's era? I, I liked it a lot. And I think I followed it, um, pretty well for the most part. I think what really made this one great is that it was like a beautifully animated and shot, um, sequence and everything. But, I feel like it was one of the, like, one of the top three, or maybe even, I don't even know, like, one of the only fight sequences like this that I can remember, where I feel like there's actual, like, plot stakes that I'm invested Mm -hmm. in, because normally when there's a big battle like this, it's like, 
okay, we're going to, like, defeat Zarkon, yay, but it's like, okay, like, give me something more than just, like, oh, he's the big bad, and we'll, like, save the whole universe. Like, this feels like there was plot leading up into it that explained what we were doing and kind of the setting for all of this, and there's actual things that will happen as a result of what happens here, um, which are really interesting. So I think that's what really made me enjoy it, because it didn't just feel like a fight for the sake of a fight. Like, it was actually plot relevant and interesting for our characters as well. But yeah, I think I followed it for the most part, but there's a yeah. lot of explosions and things happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's yeah. Ultron. Um, yeah, I, I agree that uh, I feel it's, you could argue that the whole first half of the episode is setting up for this big fight, like just mm-hmm. narratively. And I'm I happy that, they focused on the, like, cause they made the name of the episode as well. The crawl was zero or however you pronounce that. But I like that they actually focus this whole episode just on that set piece rather than like, bopping around like oh here's the b plot like there was kind of that but they're all focused around the same thing that's happening which was very effective yeah very much agree with that and uh yeah it's it's the first i feel like giant scope fight in the show that i feel like has been really narratively grounded like i yeah like they, they gave us enough setup for all sides and i understood what was happening whereas like last season the giant space uh epic stuff you know I, I feel like a lot of that's just like, oh, this cool thing's happening. There are these random reb- rebels doing stuff. Like, I feel like I understood who everyone was to a certain extent in this fight, and it was, uh, it, it was like grounded in this political intrigue with the the Galran Empire. Yeah, I, I think in that regard, all of it was really great. I really, I would have loved to be a little more, um, uh, a little more easier to follow. I guess, um, like I'm still not hundred percent sure what was happening exactly in every single sequence, but uh, it, I, I do, I did really love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a lot from postmortem we haven't gotten to, to that much yet. So, uh, we talked about, uh, Sendak and, um, we talked about the Hagar stuff, uh, Hagar presumably viewing the paladins through Shiro. So what do we think the state of Shiro is? Um, because, okay, let's go through all the Shiro stuff because there's also this little ant stuff where they're in, um, they go into some visual representation of their connection with the, with Voltron, which I think is one of the highlights of the episode, uh, visually and just as a great moment. Um, and, uh, Shiro is late to appear and then he starts yelling at Lance. And, um, when Lance talks to him after the fact, Shiro does not remember any of that. He says he blacked out for a little bit. Um, so, uh, Delaney, you think this is confirmation for clone Shiro? Yes. Like, the Shiro's not real. Like, our Shiro is not an actual being or whatever. Like, well, what, what is he then? I don't know. Like, I just feel like uh, there's just something wrong. Like, like, I think it might be evidence that, like, he's, like, powered by or, like, you know, like, the bad quintessence or whatever. Because, like, mm. so, I, presumably, quintet, like, we, we understand quintessence to be, like, this energy, kind of like the force or whatever. Like, it's, like, all living things and they all have it. And, like, the lions are made of it. And that's why they're connected. That's why they're, like, the paladins are, like, can be connected to the lions. And, like, when they're, like, oh, let's use our Bayards. This increases the bond. And they all appear, except Shiro, until we get, like, this flickering Shiro. Which I think that's, like, the real Shiro. Like, he's dead or whatever, wherever he is or whatever's going on with him. And so it's, and then, like, so, like, I don't know what... I don't know if he's a clone. Like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of stuff they can do. Like, for all I know, he's a Galrin in disguise. <laughs> like, I don't know. I have an like, idea. He's not real. Yes, Haley. I have an idea. So what I'm wondering is maybe this is like what we are seeing and interacting with is Shiro's body. 
but his like personality soul what have you yeah like is like, like being. yeah his being is like stuffed in the back of his head and then whatever Hagar's controlling is like a, a mental clone of Shiro and that's what's interacting with everybody so He's then yeah basically so when they went into that um interestingly design like Voltron minefield place um that was their connection with the lions right and quintessence and everything else so maybe the reason it took a minute for him to flicker in was because he was like breaking through all Hager's controls and then he showed up but i don't know like he was like talking to them like oh i'm free for like a second this is kind of like this shows up in a lot of like fantasy animation storylines you know where like the characters in the back of their head kind of idea so I'm wondering if it's maybe that. So like, cause I feel like it being a clone of Shiro, like a physical clone of Shiro wouldn't explain why he was able to show up in this moment. Because if actual Shiro is on like another ship far away, he wouldn't have been trying to tap into Voltron at the moment. But if he is present somehow, that's maybe why he was able to do that. Cause his body was doing it. Mm, but, okay. right? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff what's here. your take? I completely agree with all of that. Um, uh, A literal clone, I think the lions would have picked up on that. I think we've seen little hints of their ability to identify their proper owners. So I don't think a clone would have tricked them. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've seen ever since he showed up uh, escaping from that Galrin lab, his eyes have been drawn subtly differently. Uh, It's exactly right. As if, you know, like the spark has been suppressed and his personality is just being um overridden by something else uh, i think he still believes that he is him uh it's just little behavioral things like being risk averse and being ag- agreeable to lotor and whoever i don't know what the exact parameters are but i'm thinking it's exactly something like that yeah he's very supportive of lotor which might explain the connection between like hagar wanting to protect lotor is she's making sure that voltron supports him right so the question is how long will Voltron stand with Lotor yeah. if the only reason they're there is because Shiro is weird. Yeah, if Shiro hadn't told them like and been really adamant about like, no, we are going with Lotor and escaping and everything. Well he's also they literally like have. just ignored them and done whatever yeah, he wanted. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we learned that uh we had we had we had really cool questioning how Lotor had the Black Bayard uh in mm-hmm. the second episode and uh it's revealed that Shiro independently gave him the his the, his Black Bayard. Which I don't think real Shiro would, you know. Like he would have he was very in, or very supportive of them being a team. Like he was the boss, but he is a part of the team still. He would have discussed that with them, right? He wouldn't have just done that. Yeah. We were, we were commenting like how in episodes one and two, it kind of just seemed like normal, mellow season one Shiro. But in these two episodes, he's aggressive. He goes against the team. He definitely doesn't seem like Shiro. No. Yeah. So I, I think I know what happened to real Shiro. Um, and uh, this episode, uh, the only time we ever see him is when the paladins go into this uh, manifestation of uh, their connection with the lions. And uh, this is, I think this is the same place where we left Shiro at the end of season two. Um, Shiro is vanishes. He kind of like becomes one with the lion somehow. He goes to some other plane. Yeah. Um, And I think, I I feel like I remember him fighting Zarkon in in another plane. Yeah, he disappeared, right? 
Right. So I think this is, I think we, this is just where we left Cheryl last time in this lion, paladin lion, uh, plane of existence. And, uh, for whatever reason, the Shiro that we see is just not that person. I don't know what, I think it's more of a question of what he is. Is it Shiro's body? I mean, I feel like Shiro's body vanished, so I don't know how Hagar would have gotten it back. Yeah. And why would the lion accept him, right? Yeah, I, but he must, it must be his body. To, it must be him to a certain extent. So I feel like if it was a clone, though, I think the, that could trick the lion. Um, I mean, it's still Shiro. It's his DNA and stuff. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe Hagar still has his DNA from when the arm came off and, and stuff like that when he was with them before. So, uh, I, I think, I definitely think this is like the show telling us it's not real Shiro, which is big because the show had never said that before. That was just us speculating. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just all the Voltron fans speculating. So the, the thing with Lance of like, I don't remember that. That was like specifically a, uh, this is not our Shiro. And I think, I think Shiro is trapped on the, uh, the, the Voltron plane. And I'm not sure we're going to get him back. Like, how do you revive him from there? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. But in terms of like, what is this year? I think that that is interesting. Cause I, I'm, I wouldn't, if, if it just turned out, if he like, uh, in the finale, he's like, he smirks and is like, ha, I was tricking you guys all along. I'm actually this clone and uh, I know exactly what's happening and I'm not Shiro. Like that doesn't seem realistic. It seems like he thinks he's Shiro. Mm-hmm. Especially how he responded to Lance too, right? Because if he was if he was faking all of this and was self-aware, I think if Lance said to him like, oh, you, you, what were you trying to say? Like he would have had a moment where he's like, oh, I don't know. Like and kind of. Maybe we'd have like an interesting little look or something, but this he was just like, oh, I don't know, I forgot. Like it went just went. We were dark there for a bit, so he obviously didn't. Well, maybe he's lying. He could be a good liar, but it seems to me like he doesn't. He didn't experience the same like mental image that they all did. It just went black for him. Yes, and then he woke up again. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They weren't. uh, He couldn't have been teleported to the Black Lion's connection of the the, of the Voltron plane because Shiro's already there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or because he's not the real pilot. Yeah. So maybe what is actually connecting with the Black Lion all this time is the real Shiro, whatever remains that is the real Shiro. And this fake Shiro is just kind of like along for the ride. Yeah, it could be that too. It could be this is only happening because real Shiro um, in the plane of existence allows it to happen, something like that. So we will. Yeah. Definitely, I'm just so happy to be, it's happening. Yeah, like the, we were very frustrated. Season four didn't address the Shiro stuff at all yet, but um, here, here we are. Uh, presumably, will be addressed these next two episodes. I love how it was handled this episode. It connected with the main plot line. It happens when they, in a climactic moment, when they uh, went into this really artistically striking um, place, and uh, then it was discussed, and it discussed with Lance afterwards, and it tied into Lance's characterization. This was also a great Lance episode. Earlier in the episode, Lance's um, training, and he like. Uh, his Bayard turns into a broadsword. And uh, then he talks to Allure about that and relates it to their fears of Shiro. And uh, I, this, I, that's why I like love postmortem and why I think it's really great. It, the, the character work is so much more well handled than I feel like ever in the series. Like the Shiro, the Shiro mystery is tied into Lance's training and Lance's own, um, realization of him being, uh, like a great pilot. And he has this new broadsword thing. And then the Lance stuff with the Shiro ties into Allura and Allura, Allura's relationship with Lance and hashtag Allurance, the new romance, <laughs> the new hot ship. No. Is, like that, that scene, it all ties together in three, three separate character based plot lines. Like, th- this is way more advanced character work than the show ever does. Well, it's because, uh, like, they're actually giving Lance a character for once. 
Yeah, I, I, it was definitely one of Lance's best episodes. And uh, yeah, I know Delaney is shipping Allura and Lance. That's a hundred percent happening. No, number one fan. You're not on. <laughs> you're not on board. Why? No. Why? Mainly it's because they started it off with like Lance being this dumb playboy, and he just yeah. likes Allura, and then he acts all jealous. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, hate it. I think at this point, this is their interactions have nothing to do with those interactions. I. No, but, like, I hate it still. Alara's, like, helping him with his stance. Like, that was funny because she, like, flipped him. Yeah. And then and then she, like, is, like, uh, flirting in her aggressive way. Yeah. It's, but still. It's no. Yeah. No. Uh, Haley, you're shipping it. Also, again, arm leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's Cl- dead and gone. <laughs> like, Keith is never coming back. Yeah, Keith. that involves Keith being a character. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Haley, Alurance, yes or no? Um, sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm, I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I think I, I, I agree with you, Delaney. I don't like where they started, but I like where they're at now. Um, and I don't know. I'm like, I know it's terrible, but I'm <laughs> part of me is like wanting this like weird um, love triangle to happen because I think it'd just be hilarious with, with Keith, like, Allura, and Lance. No, Lotor, Allura, and Lance. Oh no, get out of here with Lotor! Don't <laughs> don't bring. Well, they're just doing it like not seriously. Like it's just I find it so funny all these little like hits at it and stuff and other funny little interactions. Um, I yeah, don't. No, no shipping Lotor and anyone. Stop people! Come on. Yeah. Well, we I've, love I've, Lotor. I've seen, I've seen this from someone. fans. Yeah, he's uh, he's older than them uh, probably. Um, yeah, well, and so is Allura. She's like however many millennia okay, old. Okay, well, Allura is Aang <laughs> aged, yeah. That, yeah, that's, um, uh, but yeah, no, I I think Allura it's, it's whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not yeah. I'm not mad at it basically, but I'm not actively. I thought this, this scene. Yeah, this scene was cute. But yeah, it was it, it was a it. nice character interaction, even if but, it's platonic or romantic. It was very nice. Yeah, Lance is not allowed to be with anyone except Keith, though. We've no. we've we, yeah. There's, okay, um, <laughs> there's okay a lot of other stuff from from the episode. Um, this episode also juggles the uh, Pidge's family plotline with uh, Sam, I guess, his dad, and uh, Matt and Pidge, and um, eventually our resolution is Sam is going back to Earth. Thank the Lord. Which <laughs> Go away, is a place that still exists. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and how is he going to get there? Like, yeah. <laughs> and and he mentions he says he needs to talk to the galaxy garrison. He needs to talk to the garrison. We haven't talked about the garrison in five seasons. <laughs> I don't get it too because I was assuming, I, like, I was rationalizing all that weird stuff the other episode with like, why is he getting so much attention as being? Oh, he knows something, but like, no, it just looks like he's going to leave. Like. <laughs> Yeah, well, Bye, he's gone. Dad. Yeah, he read him off the show, which is probably the right idea. Um, yeah. But uh, are you telling me the garrison has no idea what's happened the past th- several years? Yeah, right. Like they're part of the universe, and apparently Zarkon controlled the entire universe. So. Oh boy, yeah, that was interesting. But yeah, I don't. I thought. I thought. I did think the Pidge Matt Sam stuff in this episode was better in the pre- than the previous two. It's nice when I recognized him as well, like the second time. Because the first time I was like you, Delaney, I was like, who is this guy? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pidge, not angry, which was a good start. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. Random thing I forgot from Corral Zero with Pidge and Hunk. By the way, Hunk is still on the show. Just just a reminder. Who would have thought? I would say Hunk is not even a major secondary character at this point. I feel like he's like a guest star. Like he's not. He's had like three lines this entire season. 
just uh, t- just terrible usage of hunk. Uh, Pidge and Hunk in Krauser were arguing about modulating uh, mm. whether you want a single or double modulate. Jeff, I have a question. I have two two two. Is this this could be one of two things? A rep- like a, a a metaphor. Is it a metaphor for single and double spaced after a period when you're typing? Because they oh. do say single and double space. Or is this the tabs versus spaces in programming argument? Uh yes. Um, hmm. It's a good question. <laughs> I feel like it could be either because they're both these uh, these nerds who are basically programming at that point. So um, I, lo- I love this between. It's them, more though. Emacs versus Vim, I think. <laughs> okay, that's, that's another take on this. They say single and double. I feel like this is the like a period single. You do single space after a period, guys. And you said on. it was like a waste of a keystroke, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they they just have new names for everything. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a good moment. Um, the we the, let's close with the uh, main plot of postmortem, which is kind of the least important, as we've alluded to. But uh, we have General Bronco, who uh, bombs Alcarion with a toxin that um, I guess uh, interfaces with the plant's uh, life form in the same way that the Alcari do. It's like a vi- it's like a computer and a virus, um, and it like manipulates. Uh, it, it, it like turns that into Okari tech. Like that's why like they have the tree tank thing. Um, and then uh, it also is like uh, just causing vines to come up everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff, what did you think of this? Uh, like conceptually as a sci-fi concept? It's all right, I guess. Like it only works on this planet where we already have plants and tech. Um, yeah. But the, the resolution of this thing is like the worst I've ever seen. I think it's just so silly. Yeah. What's the resolution? I don't even remember. They touch the vines and reroute something. <laughs> I love and Matt is like, dad, look, like follow what I do. And he like closes his eyes and put his hand out. He's like, okay, son. They talked for like five seconds about like, okay, we have to deliver some virus, but how are we going to interface with it? And that's, that is the entirety of their discussion of how they're going to fix it. And then they yeah. just go do it's like, Come on. Uh yeah, there's clearly not enough uh energy spent on this on this plot line. I, I like this conceptually on like an overall level. Like I think I've always found the 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 Okari nature interfacing with tech uh to be a really interesting concept to explore, but Voltron never explores these beyond surface level. And um certainly in the resolution it was it was uh you know, it's it's just very uh surface level handled. I do think the episode chooses to focus on the things we care about more. Like, I think if you're going to set aside something in this jam-packed episode, it should be this. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting that uh, the main plot of the episode is this one-off, and then everything else happening is, like, way more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess, Delaney, overall, what was your take on seeing Olkari again? Because I feel like you were a fan of the original episode with that, that planet. Yeah, no, I just like them. Like, I think it's cool. I like the tree planet. Uh, the, I didn't really like the whole, like oh, it's, like, one of our mechs. Like, that was stupid. Like, I just, that felt really unnecessary. Like, they just had to have something to fight. Um, I did like when, like, the planet kind of cocooned them. And then uh, the ion cannon, like, I did like the whole interfacing thing. Like, oh, it's a virus. But yeah, I mean, like, it's cool that they do stuff like this, but they don't really, like, go into any sort of a amount of detail ever. And they're just like, oh, there's this thing that happened. And it take. I completely forgot about, like, the headband thing. So I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> But uh, I did like the episode, like, and I liked the like. I yeah, just like. I also had Reiner. Like did, you, did you remember Reiner? I did. I did remember <laughs> Reiner. Did not remember like her name. 
name, but yeah, I didn't. Really Reiner, the boss her. lady. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I love that she was Lin Bei Fong. Like it was amazing. It's the same voice Lin. actress. Oh, is is that yeah? Yeah. Is that the her? entire time Obviously, I was like, that's my favorite. Obviously. Okay. Thumbs so up. Good. Yeah. 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 So, um, good, great, good setting. A lot of good stuff in that episode. Yeah. I was just, I was just really impressed with the character work in this episode. Like, um, I would love for this to be what the show handles in, in more, more like this for, for the rest of the time. But yeah. So a lot, a lot happening, a lot going into these next two episodes of the show, um, to finish out season four. What's going to happen with Shiro? What's going to happen with, I guess just everything, the state of the universe is kind <laughs> of up in the air at this ties. point. Hagar, yeah. Lotor, is he going to betray them now that he's the head of the, uh, now that he's the head of the Garan Empire? So we will see. And, uh, we shouldn't expect this to be a giant finale though, because it is, um, you know, middle part, part, of the season, middle <laughs> of the season, mid-season finale yeah. coming up basically. And, uh, yeah, uh, Delaney, final thoughts on these two episodes. I liked them. Um, I, I wasn't as like, I mean, there was, like, the very epic ending to Carl's era, but I didn't really feel, like, the impact from the, these two episodes the way I felt for the first two episodes. I mean, I did like Postmortem, but I don't know. Like, I honestly, I think these episodes just have so much going on in them that it's hard to, like, kind of be still and to, like, focus on something. But I did enjoy them, and, like, I am loving Voltron right now. Like, I am so happy. I'm ready to finish the season. Like, I love Voltron. And I'm like, I'm really loving this, especially from ha- after we've had some like lackluster episodes of Voltron. It's really nice to have like, like they they started back strong, and I'm like, I'm, I want to know everything that happens. Yeah, definitely been much uh, much improved, especially from yes. earlier episodes. Yeah, uh, Jeff, final thoughts. I'm glad I watched by myself because in uh, in the second episode I, in, in, in Cross Era, I let out. A very loud, so like yeah. Whenever <laughs> when they uh, when they started with that transformation scene again, I was so angry. Oh yeah, they oh you, <laughs> they I buried this. Again. They had a transformation scene in both of these episodes. Both of these, yeah. so like bad. Netflix like, needs to let us just skip. Like just I know, skip. right? Like, like the skip intro button. We need that for yeah. the skip transformation. <laughs> yeah, my, my patron Mike Cloud said that on our Discord. Where's the skip transformation sequence button? Mm. Yeah, because um, like. The episode was so good, and then they just break it up with that. I'm like, we only have you know this much time left. Let's not waste it. <laughs> so if they have one of those transmission sequences again for these next two episodes, I'm going to be very disappointed. But it's probably going to happen. It's 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 the worst use of a transformation sequence maybe ever. Just uh, it's, it's like it's in a contract or something that they have to use it. I mean, it's more com- you know it's more complicated that they yeah it's it's like uh, you know it's it saves on animation and also it's it's like a toy selling thing and kids like it you know I don't know um, but boy <laughs> but the climax of both of these episodes uh, yeah and the first episode is terrible so hopefully no more but yeah other than that Jeff thumbs up thumbs up yep yeah. Uh, Haley, final thoughts. Um, I'm very happy and optimistic. I honestly, like, if you went back to beginning of all these seasons, this is not where I thought the show was going to go. I was expecting it to be like, oh, Vol- or Zarkon will live forever, and then he'll be the big bad, and we'll film in the end, and, like, just a normal kind of plot line. But I am so happy that that is not what is happening, because we have way more interesting characters and interesting plot lines that are happening. Um especially in these two episodes and leading into the next two. So I'm very, very happy with where the show's at right now and this season in general, because it's, it's so good. I'm very, very pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely thumbs up on these two. Very hype. Um, 
I, I guess my takeaway after loving the characterization in postmortem so much as I, this is my takeaway with Voltron always, I'd love for the show to just care about its characters more. Um, mm. I feel like that would improve things a lot. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm not, not necessarily expecting that from the last two episodes of, of we might this. get something cool with Shiro, you know, like, cause they're invested in him as their yeah. friend. Yeah. That'd be you good. Know? I mean, the Shiro stuff has been great blend of characterization and plot. So that, that's like a great example. Um, yeah, good, good land stuff here. More hope, uh, hoping more from the hot new ship of Lurance. Uh, <laughs> also, Lance is an anime character completely. <laughs> oh yeah, the land sequence. That yeah, one episode very that was so funny. Yeah, I was really kind of disappointed that they didn't actually tie back his new broadsword ability at that moment. Yeah, I thought it would come out of. Oh, is he going to stab the thing with the sword now, like a giant one? No. Right. I feel like that was the. I feel like that was the implication. But yeah, I expected it to be more ex- visually explicitly presented. Normally, yeah. they show us the weapon like really detailed, but maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the point is that it's about him, his like confidence in himself and stuff, and not the specific power. Hooray! Okay. Uh, so let us know what you thought of postmortem and Kral Zerlis in the comments or on YouTube, wherever you're listening. Um, and, uh, also come talk about these episodes with us on our discord overlyanimated.com slash discord. Uh, we'll be back for the last two episodes, uh, tomorrow. If you, if you're listening past then, you can find them all at overlyanimated.com. Support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thank you very much to all of our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Danny, aka Danny Phantom. And thanks as always to our patron executive producers, John Ryan, Steve, Alex, Andy, and Hugh. Um. Well, yep. Back for the Voltron finale. Also, check out our Star vs. Force of Evil podcast that was uh, came out today, and Final Space coverage continues. Find all that at overlyanimated.com. Thank you guys very much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. 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 Yeah.